Life Audio. Hi, friends. I'm excited to share this special episode of How to Study the Bible with you. Like the Bible Never Said That, How to Study the Bible is also on the Life Audio Podcast Network and promotes Christian values. On this show, Nicole Eunice brings life back to reading the Bible by helping us personally explore God through His Word by giving us a practical, clear roadmap for understanding, interpreting, and applying Scripture to our lives. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to subscribe to the show on Life Audio or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be back soon with a brand new episode of The Bible Never Said That. You won't want to miss this episode because I'll be announcing some important updates about the show. Thank you so much for listening today, and may God bless you. The How to Study the Bible podcast is brought to you by BibleStudyTools.com and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit LifeAudio.com. A lot of times the reason that we aren't being led by the Spirit or we're not aware of the Spirit is because there's not enough space in our life to actually hear the Spirit. There's not enough silence in our life to hear the Spirit. And believe me, I know that silence is scary, especially at first, if it's not a practice that you're used to and you're like, oh my gosh, all this stuff is coming up. All that stuff's coming up because God wants to forgive you. God wants to heal you. God wants to transform your pain into something that's free and purposeful. And so many of us just, we don't want to take that journey because it feels so difficult, but we're missing out on the actual life-giving spirit that is with you and dwells with you and walks with you and can lead you into freedom and joy and love. Welcome back to How to Say the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm really excited to jump into God's Word with you today, wherever you find yourself wherever you find yourself relationally or emotionally or physically today, um, I want you to know that God loves us deeply and that even when there feels like there's distance between our experience of God's love or the way that we want to have him show up in our prayers or in our desires, what we don't have to question is whether or not God loves us. And I know we all have that experience of not being sure if we can rest and be assured that we are loved and accepted. But believe me, through the Holy Spirit, we can know and have that assurance. And it's that assurance that actually uh, creates in us a desire to know God more and to love him more and to respond to the commands that he gives us. So if that's where you are today, I just want you to know you're welcome here. And God is not surprised and he's not upset with you um, because his love says what he wants is relationship and what he wants is you to draw near. So however you're drawing near to him today, let that be enough. So we're going to be looking in first John three. But before we get into that, just one quick announcement. I want to make sure that you guys know we are starting another series that is a supported series, meaning we have a reading guide for you and some small group questions um, and a Facebook community to support you through that experience that will be coming up for this season of Lent. So we'll start that on March 7th, just a couple weeks away. And if you want access to all of that kind of free extra material, all you need to go, do is go to NicoleUnis.com slash how to pray. We're going to be doing a series on the Lord's Prayer, and you can just sign up with your email right there, and we'll send you that reading guide uh, to follow along. You don't have to do that. 
you can just listen to the podcast. But we had such a good time with the series of Romans kind of doing that, that we wanted to offer that again. So we'll be doing that starting March 7th. But right now we are in this little mini series on the book of first John. So uh, my encouragement to you through this month is just that you read the letter at some point, maybe read it all the way through all at once, because like we talked about at the beginning of this series, uh, the way that this letter is written is a kind of themes that keep coming and going. So we have circular themes that we're seeing in the book of First John. It's not as linear, you know, just sort of one thing after another. And those circular themes that we see in First John are um, true doctrine, what it actually means to be living in the grace of Jesus Christ, obedient living. What is our response to that love and fervent devotion? What does it look like to be in an everyday kind of way looking for how we can continue to grow in our relationship and love of God? So we're going to be looking at a passage, First uh, John 3, verses 16 through 24. But before we go there, I just want to read First John 3, verse 1 to you. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we would be called children of God. And when we see like a phrase like that, it really is the setting of the entire rest of the passage to know and understand that God has lavished his love upon us, that he has secured our identity in him, that we are now children of him, which means that the the primary way that the relationship has changed is fundamental to our understanding of the rest of the letter. Think about the difference between the way that you treat a stranger and the way that you treat a precious child, the way that you treat your own child or a child in your family. There's a completely different setting of heart when it comes to our investment and our engagement um, and our just grace toward a child, uh, a little child, three-year-old, four-year-old. We find them delightful. We find the ways that they disobey on the, for the most part. You, you see that they just don't know. Like they need to be taught. They need to learn. They're just going through the world the way they know how to go through the world. The other day I was walking in my neighborhood and there was clearly a babysitter with two sort of maybe kindergarten age kids and they were just screaming at the top of their lungs and just running across the street. And I thought like they're just expressing the wildness of their spirit right now. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, hey, five-year-old, because you yelled really loud, I'm no longer going to be in relationship with you. I've told you once to never yell. And now you have, and I'm never going to talk to you again. We would never treat a five-year-old like that. And some of us have really difficult family backgrounds. And so family analogies can be difficult for us. But I want you to imagine the most loving parent that you've ever seen parent, whether that's your own parent or someone else's parent, whatever you've experienced as love, that is just a, just a mere shadow of the love that God has for you. Just not even close to the love that God has for you. And so when we enter into the rest of the letter and the rest of scripture, first John three, one is worth memorizing. See what great love the father has lavished on us that we would be called children of God. That is actually the setting that we then can read the rest of it in because it it changes everything. It changes everything. Uh, One of you sweet readers wrote to me um, this week and messaged me about just this frustration with not being able to accept God's love. And I wrote back and said, I think 
it's our it's our lifetime progress to grow more and more in understanding God's deep love and acceptance for us exactly as we are. He knows who you are. He knows your regret. He knows the places that you keep messing up. He knows the ways that you condemn yourself in the mix of all of that. He has this great love for you. And maybe just even allowing a couple of minutes to say, I'm just going to allow myself to believe for a couple of minutes that God loves me so deeply and just see what it does to your heart. See how it fills your soul and settles your spirit because it's true. Okay. First John three, 16 through 24. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So there's a couple of themes here when we start addressing this question in our Bible study of what does this say? There's a lot. There's a lot here that we can look at. But of course, we see this like just fundamental truth. Hey, not only first John three, verse one, this is how much love the father has lavished on you. But now we get this reminder again. And this is how you know what love looks like. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So not only do we have sort of this experience of being invited into an identity in, in God, where we are children of God, but we also have this proof text, meaning like, hey, if you can't believe the feeling of love, then believe the fact of love. And the fact of love is that Jesus Christ laid down his life. Like, there is no other way that we show a promise than to sacrifice ourselves. Think about what you did as a little child when you said, cross my heart and hope to die. You said that promise to a friend, if you ever said that, because you had to say like, Hey, I'm going to put my life on the line. I really, really mean it. <laughs> There's like this, this thread in our language and in our experience where we're like, when you really, really mean it, you, you offer a sacrifice as a way of proving that you really mean it. And we see here in scripture that God gave us a sacrifice that proves his love for us. And that sacrifice was in Jesus, who it's, it says in Philippians, for the joy laid before him. He laid down his life like he just scorned the shame of the cross for the joy set before him. Like all of this was out of um, the father's love for us, that father, son and Holy Spirit would pursue us and would show us what that love looks like because of their great love and joy. And so out of that love and joy, we get instructions for what it's going to look like for us to live out of that love. So verse 18, I wrote down the theme here is obedience in action. 
So this idea of like, if you experience this love of God, that out of that overflow of love, there will be an immediate and recognizable change in the way you treat other people, particularly believers. So in this passage, we're talking about those in the church. It's not that we don't love those outside of the church, because that is an expression of our love of God, right? The way we love others outside the church. But in this passage, as we always do in Bible study, we want to make sure we first know what did this mean at the time it was written? And at the time that it was written, John was instructing and correcting the early church, the believers of the church who were being divisive with each other. They were arguing with each other. And he was saying, hey, you need to be able to test and approve that people are actually living in the love of Christ. And this is the way that you're going to know how someone is living in the love of Christ. And friends, this is still the same admonishment that we need today. It's very, very easy for people to be religious and to be in the church and to be claimed to be Christians. But what we're hearing here is that if you are a Christian, if you are following the ways of Jesus Christ, there is going to be a noticeable way that you love people, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is about the way that we live out that love, not just with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So it starts with this idea of like, what is your heart setting toward other believers? How do you, you know, sort of use your resources, your time, your money, um, your emotional energy? How do you use those things for the good of others in the way that you love them? So we have this, this test of obedience in action. The second thing we have is this, this middle passage is about confidence in discernment, right? And it talks about this idea of if our hearts condemn us, God's greater than our hearts. If our hearts don't condemn us, we can have confidence. Actually, what those that passage is saying is no matter if your heart condemns you or not, God is still with you. <laughs> so if your heart condemns you, hey, God knows everything and he's going to hear your prayers. So if there's something that's bothering you, if something's laying on your conscience, if you're feeling less than or you have regret, you can confess to God and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We know that right from first John. So you're going to be fine. And if your heart doesn't condemn you, then awesome. Like have confidence before God. It's kind of this whole metric of confidence. That's like, if you're having confidence before God, if your heart feels clear before God, you're going to want to do his commands. You're going to want to do what pleases him. There's so much confidence in this idea that God is with you, that Jesus Christ dwells in you. And if you make space for the father to speak to you, he will speak. So you don't have to go around wondering, what have I done wrong? Where have I gone wrong? And what have I not asked for forgiveness for yet? You can actually just go to God and say, like, would you clear my heart? And God himself will prompt you if your spirit is open to it. If the the eyes of your heart are open, if the ears of your heart are open and you're like, search me, oh God, and know me then the spirit of God will prompt you for the things that you need to change. Like you can just rest assured that that's going to happen. So many of us, to just borrow trouble. We're just like, I must be doing something wrong and I'm, I have to go to God. And this is why my life's not going great. And we have this bad theology about how we can engage with God. And what we get here in first John is this confidence to know, Hey, if your heart condemns you, like go to God, he's greater than your heart. He's going to comfort you. He's going to lead you into a place of righteousness and he's going to forgive you. Like if your heart condemns you over something that needs to be forgiven, he will forgive you. But also if your heart's not condemning you, be free 
and ask God what pleases him and do what pleases him. And life is going to be a lot more enjoyable because you're going to live out of this freedom rather than out of this self-condemnation. So we get this confidence in our discernment. And then we get this kind of like last thing in verse 24 where it says, hey, how do you know that God lives in you? Because you know by the spirit, (laughs) he gave you a spirit. And in that spirit, you can trust that if your if your ears are open to it, the spirit of God will lead you. And some of you might be like, well, how how do I get my how do I get the ears of my heart open? You're like, Nicole, that sounds so weird. Like my heart doesn't have ears. I get it. It's weird. But what we can do is just make space in our life. So it might be five minutes of silence to start with, maybe 10 minutes. Maybe you, uh, if you drive to work still in this age of remote work, um, maybe you just don't put the radio on and be quiet and say, Lord, search me and know me. Spirit of God, speak to me about this day and about me and you know, how you want me to engage in the in my world. If you make space and quiet your heart so that you can actually experience enough silence that the spirit of God can speak to you. We know that he lives in us. We know that he will speak to us. A lot of times the reason that we aren't being led by the spirit or we're not aware of the spirit is because there's not enough space in our life to actually hear the spirit. There's not enough silence in our life to hear the spirit. And believe me, I know that silence is scary, especially at first, if it's not a practice that you're used to and you're like, oh my gosh, all this stuff is coming up. All that stuff's coming up because God wants to forgive you. God wants to heal you. God wants to transform your pain into something that's free and purposeful. And so many of us just, we don't want to take that journey because it feels so difficult, but we're missing out on the actual life-giving spirit that is with you and dwells with you and walks with you and can lead you into freedom and joy and love. So my invitation for you is to ask those questions. Am I, am I being led by the spirit? Am I just making enough space in my life to be led by the spirit? Because how I know that I'm led by the spirit is going to be what I find right here in first John three, 16 through 24. I'm going to find a sense of living out my love in actions And the spirit of God can actually lead me in specific ways, in specific actions to other believers. I'm going to find that my heart is at rest in God's presence because I have confidence that if my heart condemns me, God will forgive me. If my heart doesn't condemn me, I can just be free and God will lead me in his commands. And I can have confidence that the spirit lives in me and will direct me. So that's what we get out of making space for God. It's a beautiful, beautiful invitation. And I want to invite you into that space. If you haven't tried that before, this is, I've shared this before, but again, just an easy technique. I will set a timer on my phone, five minutes, eight minutes, 15 minutes, whatever. Set a timer on the phone, throw the phone away from you, sit down quietly somewhere where you can have space, read the passage and reflect just on one thing from the passage. You don't have to think about anything. If you want to just meditate on the love of God, just give yourself a little bit of space and say, God, I'm, I'm here for you to speak to me. And, and it, the first time might not feel easy or you might just feel like, oh, man, this is just an act of obedience. But what I found that other believers have shared with me and that I've also experienced is that when I make that space, I might not feel like I have a like spiritual moment or hear from God. But somehow later in the day, I might hear from God much more clearly. 
So there's something about the obedience of saying, God, I prioritize my time and my silence for you. And I'm going to start acting like we are actually in a relationship. And if I'm actually in a relationship with God, there has to be space every single day for conversation. And it can't just be me lecturing into the void. I can't just be talking the whole time to God. I actually have to just make space for silence because I want to have a relationship, which means I need to make space for God to speak to me. So that's my invitation for you this week is to make space for God to speak to you. Don't be frustrated if if it doesn't feel like he shows up for you. Just be obedient. Just make some space and see what might happen with that. It's been wonderful to be with you today. Next week, we're going to take on 1 John 4 and a wrap-up of the letter. Go in peace, everyone. We'll talk next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. I found myself on a ledge, three stories high, at some condominiums, contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose. Have you ever found yourself on the ledge? My name is Billy Yates. I'm a caring father, mentor, and friend. In my new podcast, Billy and the Goat, I share the life-changing events that shaped who I am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen, God can help you get up and thrive. Listen now at lifeaudio.com.